So, what would you name your racehorse? Um, El Presidente. Uh, El Guapo. <laughs> El Guapo or uh, Chupacabra. <gasps> yeah. uh, uh, sea turtle, uh, Pinkie Pie, Ooh. Yeah. Uh, uh, turd burglar, <laughs> bland biscuit, <laughs> fart box. <laughs> hey, let's start the show. <laughs> Welcome to the Whiskey Zippers podcast. I'm Dave, and I'm Steve. And uh, well, kind of gave it away a little bit. What are we talking about today? Uh, race horses, race horses, the Kentucky Derby. Ooh. And all things that go with it. Here they like come. Bourbon. There they go. And uh, for, what you, what you, what you, what you, the guy doesn't know what he's saying. He's just talking yeah. real fast. Like, uh, head to head. Yeah. Head to head. And the jockey falls off. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the horse broke his leg. Oh, and he's dragging him. <laughs> he's still attached. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Zig's in his mouth. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> humanity. <laughs> <You> go, oh, <laughs> humanity. It looks as if the horse has mounted the jockey. We're going to start with that already. <laughs> well, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the Kentucky Derby podcast, number 148. <laughs> no, that's the whiskey, Steve. Oh, okay. Well, is it the whiskey or is it the number Kentucky Derby? Is it the 148th Is the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. Well, the Kentucky Derby is the oldest sport yes. in the United States. Yes. Aside I, I, from the horses raping the jockeys. Yes. Wasn't that a movie? That was it. No, not that. <laughs> let me let me rephrase. They showed that. it in Mexico. Uh, Tom Green. Uh, Have you seen his movie Horse Rape? Well, he's like he randomly pulls off the side of the road and like starts like yeah, whacking off the horse. Yes. Yeah, he's he's. I don't know about that him. That's not man. right. He's a little. weird. He's an interesting dude. Yeah, he's an interesting dude. Well, he's right. a he's a podcaster. He's one of like the OGs of podcasting. Didn't he like videotape or make a make a segment about them like? Uh, like taking one of his nuts out or something, like not ball yep. cancer, yep. and he yep. put it on. I mean, him and the uh, cyclist guy. <clears throat> yeah, Lance, Lance Strongarm. Yeah, hi, I'm Lance. Anyway, anyways, go on, go sea, on with what? Sea biscuits, sea biscuits. Mm. <laughs> I'd like to see those biscuits. <laughs> no, we're talking about uh, the Kentucky Derby. So uh, we gathered a couple, bo- a couple, uh, three, three, couple, three. <laughs> A couple, three uh, bottles of whiskey. We were going to do four, I think, at one point. I think I had a fourth. I can't remember who it was. I don't know. Something about the Kentucky Derby. Uh, but we are not doing... Horse Soldier? Oh, that's a good that one. Been a good I didn't one. think of that We got to do that a different time. We we kind of came up with like like the most traditional, like best way to celebrate Kentucky Derby, other mm-hmm. than the classic mint julep, which is <laughs> like, you don't like it? It's Okay. Okay, I'm not a big but that's fan like of like the minty. Tradi- dri- yeah, it's great if you're in, sitting in your I mean, straw hat on a plantation. I like but. a mojito. I guess it goes it goes well with the heat because yeah. it's made with like crushed ice, like the little like ice pebbles. Mo meaning to take away. Excuse o me? meaning for extended period of time. Just for mojito, oh. take away heat. For, uh, I just made that up with mint. Go on, take it with, with mint. mint. Take it away with mint and uh, take it away mint. Sure. So uh, we picked Woodford Reserve. We do. We have a Calumet farm. Cal farm. Calumet. Cal farm. Yeah, Cal farm. Calumet. Calumet. Fourteen year. How they did don't I make say it? Did I say it wrong? No, you said it. Calumet. What? 
I'm sorry. Say it again. Beg your pardon. Say it again. Callie Matt. Don't believe you have. <laughs> well, nice to meet you. <laughs> hey oh. And we also have a Blanton's. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Which is so really go- good <laughs> with like a tall glass of ice and some Coke. Just a splash of Blanton's. So good. Damn, the sweetness really brings you. out the Coke. Damn you. Yeah, I know. People hate that. <laughs> Some people would love that and have no idea what they were wasting. Yeah, well, but that's okay. And you know, at one point in time, it was easier to find. It was easy to find. Oh, you because it, it was, was on the good. shelf everywhere. Yeah, and it was you know people liked it, and internets and podcasting and all this garbage kind of ruined it for everybody. People like Face us. Face pages and stuff. People like us. Yep. Damn us. It's good. Yes, it's good. It is good. It's good. So, have you had it? The Blantons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> the last time I had I mean, Blanton's. Not to call you out after you're like, yeah, it's good. The, like, the, first, the first and last time I had Blanton's was the grab bag, the Christmas uh, Secret Santa. Oh, yeah. That's the okay. first time I had it. I never okay. had it before. I have a All bottle. Right. I haven't opened it. Okay. Cool. Well, we uh, we just popped it open. We poured it. Um, yeah, let's go Let's go down the line. You want to do that? Yeah. So. We'll start with uh, Woodford Reserve, Kentucky okay. Derby, 148 limited edition. <coughs> so Pardon this me. is the 148th Kentucky Derby. Yep, that's what they're saying. Running of the Derby, and every year they uh, they put out a one liter bottle, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is, and it has a unique. Each one has different artwork, right? For different artists. New, New York. York. I just watched that the other day. Did you? Yeah, I did. It's good. So this one, um, it features artwork by a Kentucky native, Jamie Corum. She's a equine artist. So she she, she draws rabbits. Equine. Equine. Oh. <clears throat> How do, Pardon me. Am I, equine, I always knew it as equine, but I don't know. Who cares? Know. So she I'm paints horses. She paints horses? Like actually paints them? Yeah. No, like, she like does, finger paints on horses? Does she paint the Did horse? They, yeah. I mean, there's a picture of a horse on this with the roses. So does she paint pictures of horses or does she paint horses? Well, this one is titled Dreams in Bloom. So that that's the roses. It's got a couple horses on there. So. Hmm. Dreams yeah. in Bloom. Yep. And so this is a Kentucky straight bourbon. It's by Brown Foreman, which is Woodford Reserve, mm-hmm. known distilled there. Uh, every year they release this, 72% corn, 18% rye, and 10% malted barley. And I want to know more about the Dreams in Bloom. What about it? Uh, it says it features three thoroughbred racing neck and neck. I'm closing my eyes and trying to visualize it. Yep. Surrounded by a <coughs> spray. Pardon me. Of vivid sp- spring flowers. Oh, oh, I wasn't thinking of vivid. Including you know, that's not, no. the iconic red roses of Derby. Hmm, not the kind of dream I was trying to envision. You want me to read it again? Dreams in Bloom yeah, re- features three thoroughbred racing, neck and neck, surrounded by a spray of vivid spring flowers, and including the iconic red rose of Derby. <laughs> did you did you download that specifically for that part? Is that why you brought me back? I might have. I kind of skipped it because I just I write notes and I don't I don't really follow them most of the time. I might have. <laughs> it's I like the way you described it the second time a lot better. So uh, years ago, me and my buddy were we were in Europe and we got a bottle. You gotta listen to this. We got a bottle of uh, <laughs> Dave's Lucid. Go ahead. No, we were just in Europe and we were able to get our hands on a bottle. <laughs> 
actually saw Dave lose it. It's great. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, his stomach hurts. Okay. Oh. I'm sorry. And they're off. And it's neck and neck. They're surrounded by a spray of vivid spring flowers, including, including the red roses of the derby. And they're neck and neck. Okay, okay, okay. okay. We gotta, I have to think about death or oh, something. Oh, and now they're fist and neck. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> okay. Oh. <laughs> it appears the horse has painted her. Oh, oh and here comes El Presidente out of nowhere. <laughs> and they're neck and neck. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> oh. malted barley. That's where you left off. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, uh, me and my buddy got a hold of a bottle of Dom Perignon. Mm-hmm. Like, caught, you know, they go for like 200 bucks. I think we got it for like half of that. Mm-hmm. And it comes in this, you know, box and it, a little book that describes like the whole like history and the heritage and like how they make it mm-hmm. and like all the craftsmanship that goes into it. And then it talks and it has like an actual review and it's like way over the top. Really? You know, talking about like, and then the the peach and apricot crash over your palate like a cresting oh wave. and It's like Norm MacDonald when he talks about the guy. ridiculous. <laughs> and the bubbling sensation fills your mouth with, you know, like lavender and like, it's, just, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. You're looking at the bottle and you don't realize you're eating a lilac. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a champagne guy, but like one glass I'm in, I'm, I'm hammered. Yeah. And so we're reading this like midway through and just laughing our asses off. It's I great. like We'll Martini do a Tini and Rossi, Asti Spumanti. That's like my my favorite, my go to. We do it in the holidays, you know. Yeah, bubbly. Go ahead. So ten percent malted barley. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's aged seven point three years. Okay. I don't I don't know the, th- the point three why that really matters. It's fifty four fifty percent ABV, which is ninety point four proof. Right. Uh, it's valued around fifty five bucks. Uh, I think you got that around there, cheaper. I got that this one for forty seven. Yeah. So sold. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah, you all mean, right? Uh, yeah, you I, me I, okay? I was. <laughs> I hit the the pause button and clear you out or something. No. <laughs> you still going about the horse race? <laughs> hold hold on, we'll be back in a second. Hold on. And oh, we're back. God, okay. All right. So should we try this? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm smelling it. <laughs> oh, it smells nice. It does. Typical Woodf- Woodford Reserve. Yeah, it's uh delicious Ooh, yeah. smelling. Like dried fruit. Yep. Hint of turpentine. I'm getting orange. I'm getting gasoline. <laughs> a little acetone. A little tobacco spice <clears> in there. <throat> tobacco spice. Ooh. Scary spice, ginger spice. Ooh, cheers! <gasps> Here we go, down the hatch. Going in, going in hot. Coming out, coming out wet. Ooh, this is what I would expect from Woodford Reserve. Oh yeah, <clears throat> but but what? I want to say lighter, but not lighter. It's uh, more complex. You I know think. what I get? <clears throat> it kind of finishes almost like a like an orange, like his orange zest. 
I'm getting zest or- of an orange or citrus, some kind of citrus at the end. I get. I smelled that tobacco in there somewhere, and that mm-hmm. was the first thing I tasted was like a tobacco smoke, mm. and then like the the cinnamon citrus that you're you you picked up the the orange. Yeah, that's what I got. That's like a little bit me. of a cinnamon, and then like a very hint of like vanilla vanilla ish. Yeah, the finish is creamy. Yeah, I like it. That's yeah, pretty good. That's, yeah, this is pretty. I, I would. This would definitely be a good. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, now so, I get. What do you get? I got the tobacco out of that one. <clears throat> but creamy. It's it's smooth. Yeah. It's getting, get some, this, getting some spice at the end. It's like cinnamon and leather and citrus. Yeah. Oh, this is really good. I like it. I mean, I don't think it's a huge difference from the regular Woodford Reserve. It doesn't seem like it's... No, maybe at some point we'll compare them together. That might be kind of cool. Yeah, it's hard to say, wow, this stands right out, because it doesn't taste a lot different. There's a lot of profile that's the same across there. Woodford's like just a solid brand. It is a solid brand. It's a solid bourbon. Absolutely a solid bourbon. You had the uh, double oak. I don't have the double oak. No, oh. I've seen it. Um, oh, my God. You got to pick up a bottle of that. I do have the straight wheat whiskey. Oh, you got the weeded? Yep, I got the weeded. And then I think I have a uh, um, distiller select somewhere. Oh, you got a distiller select? How much <laughs> you pay for that? Look over there for a Woodford Reserve on the bottom. Okay. Is there a distiller select down there? I don't see one. Oh, right here. This is a distiller select. Oh, it's, you know what I was thinking? Weeded. Oh, I was thinking of the like master like a, blend or whatever mm. it's called. Oh no, like a like, like a, a different shape bottle, like a distiller's like, pit, like a pit. Nine hundred dollars. Oh no, shit, no, I don't have that. And then you know, had a buddy of mine who got it, and was like, yeah, it sucks. No, it's so disappointing <clears throat> when you Pardon do me. that. Are you? At my allergies. Do you need the my al- I mowed the lawn today. My allergies. My allergies are killing. You just gotta me. hold your breath. I just have a lot of post nasal drip. Yeah. Right. Yep. And go. So yeah. Um, I would pick up a, a bottle of this, you know, and it's it's priced pretty well, and it comes as a full liter. <clears throat> Pardon me, yeah, it Dave. does, yeah. That that bottle, Dave, is not in the mic. I'm so, okay. settle down. Sorry, there is you that go. Jesus. Jesus, I know. I'm sorry. Ugh. You want to move on? Yeah, that was our first. I like it. I like Woodford Reserve anyway, so I knew I wouldn't. I would not like it. But I think I'm going to collect them. I mean, I collect That'd everything cool. else Just in to this collect world. The bottles. Yeah, I mean, um, when I think, you're, can when you they, get older ones? Do you think they have the older ones available? I don't know if you can get them. I think whatever they have left, if some, but I don't. I think. mean, I just need 147 more, and I'll have the whole set. <laughs> You'll be all set. I don't know if they put out. They probably put out a limited release of those because they know that it's. Well, yeah, a, they release it in like March to like whenever it's sold out. That'd be cool to get though, and then when the bottle's empty, you just piss in it, and you know, you know, and then drink that. Why not? If you piss soon it's, enough after it's you drink. sterile, right? <laughs> Bring it to the beach in case you get you know stung by something. It's, it's like blowing your dog. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's your dog, exactly. <clears throat> All right. So Calumet mm-hmm. Farm mm-hmm. is a single rack, fourteen year. Yes, single rack, single rack. It's interesting how they worded that. One rack, one rack, single. Now I have tried this Calumet before, and I I thought that it ran. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry, I I'd be muting the microphone every two. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna try to stop. Right. I I found that it it ran not a close close second, but a second to the E. H. Taylor single barrel that I have, which I'm not a fan of. 
Well, you can. Well, I mean, I it. I like it, but okay, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't go on my like top five or anything. I enjoy that a lot, and this I think is is it runs a second to that. I mean, but I have Wild Turkey One on One in my top five, so that's not really. Well, saying it's all, it's that's just, the thing. Bourbon, yeah. you drink bourbon how you like it, and you like the bourbon you like, and and you can't expect. You can't have one guy say this bourbon is my number one. Good for and you. I'm I don't all, like it. And I'm all over the board. <laughs> yeah, because like, like another one will be like a whistle pig tenure. Well, and another guy will say, "Oh, I tried that. It sucked." Yeah, <clears throat> you're like, "Well, uh-huh. what do you mean it sucked? Yep. I, I I enjoyed it." So, all right, Calumet Farm. Calumet Farm. Uh, William Moore Wright established Calumet Farm in 1924 on a small farm in Lexington, Kentucky, after making a fortune in baking powder. Really? Was he, wait, like the cooking stuff? Baking powder? I think so. Oh, okay. Like he wasn't physically baking something. No, I think he was. He wasn't a baker. Baking powder. Okay. So then his son took over the farm after he died, and he he shifted the business toward thoroughbred racing. He was a gambler. Really? And and it, it became known for producing, like, winning horses. And so Calumet Farm produced two Triple Crown winners- eight Kentucky Derby winners, and eight Preakness winners. They also have 11 horses in the National Museum of Racing Hall of Fame. Wow, do they now? Which directly results in the grading of their bourbon. Hmm. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. If you produce racehorses, you produce good bourbon. Who knew that? I, I don't know. Apparently, it's a thing. That's where I'm not seeing the line up here, okay? I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> Well, maybe the maybe the, they train horses. Well, maybe the places that have the horses, maybe there's something indigenous to their farms that might help the maybe the area of the country they're in. Maybe they happen to be concentrated. In one they spot. got money and paid someone to make good whiskey. Well, or they maybe the say you have people that race horses and you have you know ten farms within a 500 square mile radius. Okay. And the weather within that area might be optimal for aging bourbon. So they may all make really good bourbons because of the geographic area they're in of the U.S. Okay. You don't know. I mean, I'm thinking it might be something like that. Oh, okay. Because it makes me think of the fourth bottle I almost got. Um, It's some type of farm is in the name, but it's a distillery owned by Ridgemont Reserve, which Mm -hmm. is a 1792 Mm -hmm. brand. And on the bottle, it's like a horse, like a horse racing thing. And, you know, so, Who knows? So that would be something do... interesting to look into. Okay. Um, this bottle comes from just 19 barrels that are aged in a single center cut rack. So that's where they get the, the single rack. Okay. For what the brand calls the ideal maturation location and conditions inside the Rick House. So it's like right in the middle. Single rack. So there's only 19 barrels make up this 14-year. Yeah, that they said they, they don't make the 14-year So that's year how anymore. many, quick math, like. How many, how many bottles out of a barrel? Two hundred ish, you know, it could be under over. So thirty eight hundred bottles. Yeah, that's it. And you have one. one. I have one. And age before, like the aging, sometimes just like hits me, like to like think about it. It's like this thing sat for fourteen years. I mean, it's not the oldest thing in the world, but just like fourteen years, the satin like it, it took up space, and they had to wait. Yeah, they had to let it sit. Like, there. We can't taste this. Can we move these barrels? We got to make it. No, no, you got to leave them there. Like the kids are already grown up. <clears throat> yeah, the kids come home from college. Hey, Dad, can we be No, it's not yep, ready yet. Yeah, not ready. <laughs> okay. Right, in a 21-year. But I'll tell you, this 14-year, it's the flavor profile. When I tried it the first time, it was really hard to describe because it's just, it's it's very complex. That's why it reminded me of the E.H. Taylor. That's very complex. Okay. 
So this is a Kentucky straight bourbon from the Calumet Farm. Uh, distillery is the Western Spirits Beverage Company Distillery. It's an ongoing release. You said it's done, donezo. Yeah, they that's do it. have a fifteen, so maybe they're just they mixed. Maybe they messed with their mash bill or something, and they're stick. Oh no, because it's the center rack, so they used it and it's done. So yeah. just, the ones around it are yes. going to the fifteen or their twelve or whatever else they're doing. The fourteen year you cannot get. They don't. They have not they released anymore. They won't release anymore. That's it. Okay. That's All why right. I bought this one. So, so it's seventy four percent corn, eighteen um, percent rye, and eight percent malted barley. It's a uh, pretty close to the other one because I think mm-hmm. the other one was ten percent malted barley. Um, it's 48.1% ABV, which is 96.2 proof. It's valued at 115. I think I paid 109 for it. Ooh, that smells good. Like it's like caramel toffee. Yeah. Maybe some like, some like candied apple in there. Cracker Jacks. Okay. What do I got? I'm getting apple. Yeah. A little bit of apple. Like, like apples that fell out of the tree and are, and when you go through the apple orchard and you get that aroma on the Maybe air. Maybe a plum or something, some type of, I don't know. Plumpkin. Yeah. Blumpkin. Dave. <laughs> well, try it. Steve sipping. He's looking, he's staring at the glass. He's moving his tongue around. He's debating. Ooh, he's taken back. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Okay, that's um. You kind of hit the nail on the head of talking about how it's complex. Like as I went through my whole palette and Continues finished changing. it, it Continue. changed. Like it, it's uh, it's a heavier like a molat. It started like like a little light, little sweet, and then I swallowed it down. And it was very heavy, like molasses. <laughs> is what yeah. I'm getting. Oak, toasted oak, molasses. It's Maybe long like, and it's it's warm and it stays warm. It's not too it's hot. It's not hot. No, and it's the, rich. The Woodford Reserve had a lot more cinnamon notes to it. This one is almost like a oat, like a granola. This taste, reminds me of like a, like a custard. Yeah. That's I think why I like it because okay. it's like a almost like a custardish type of yeah. a loud cock. Yeah. <laughs> the farm. You kept saying the guys on a farm. So mm-hmm. Calumet Farm playing farm animals. I'm trying to think what I had recently that's similar to this. Very dark. The molasses is very, very strong in the palate. It is. If I were to picture what came out the most, it was that molasses. Which maybe a little of, bit, little, maybe a little grassy notes in there too. That's one of the things I like about it. It's interesting. Like every time you take a sip, your your first, second, third sips are all kind of they change in it. Yeah, the flavor can the profile continues to change as you like swirl it around your mouth and you swallow. It's like wow, it just it keeps on evolving. It's good. I was just thinking, me how we're around. talking about this now, so, we're such nerds. Um, <laughs> from like our first like three episodes, yeah. we're like, hey, it's pretty good. It tastes like bourbon. <laughs> I give it a five out of seven. Yeah, I got. I'm van- getting drunk. I'm getting vanilla. I'm drunk. Vanilla drunk. Now Steve's talking about. Grassy notes. Swirl it. It gets grassy notes as you swirl it in your mouth and swallow it down, and the flavor continues. Ah, such to nerds. My palate is just anyway. it's rich. Yeah, it's long. It's, it's rich. It's long. It's warm. It's creamy. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> All right. Shall we move on? We shall move on. This what do we trash have? Trash whiskey. To this garbage. This 
Blanton's. Effing Blanton's. The original single barrel Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Woo. Nice. Yeah. Get some. People like it because of the bottle. Because it's a cool bottle. It looks like a grenade. It's got the horsey it's got on the it. got the horsey. It's got the letter, so you can collect the letters. There's two ends, by the way. So if you get the second end, you got to look at the little leg of the horsey. It's different. Well, what letter uh, do I have up there? Uh, you have an S. S for some bitches go whiskey. <laughs> Go on. Yep. Um, I mean, they kind of started it all. They started it all. It was them. Blanton's. The whole single barrel thing. It's their idea. They yeah. figured it out. So Blanton's, the original single barrel bourbon, has a storied history that ties together many namesakes of Buffalo Trace Distillery. I'm reading it right off their site. You are reading it right <laughs> off their site, aren't you? <laughs> it just sounds off. I'm like, I wouldn't write that. Originally, Colonel Albert B. Bland was the president of George T. Stagg Bourbon Distillery. Didn't know that. It's kind of cool. Uh, which is now known as the Buffalo Trace Distillery until 1952. So he was the president until 1952. They wrote that backwards. During that period, Elmer T. Lee worked under Bland. They were all they were bros. As Lee was nearing retirement, he decided to bring forth one last product. A year before retiring, so this is the 50s, Lee brought to the market the first commercial single barrel bourbon and named it Blanton's after the late Colonel. His Kentucky guys. Mm. So he it. named it after the guy that he uh, uh, was like uh, training for. under. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Taken from the middle sections of Buffalo Trace's warehouse H, Blanton's original single barrel was once designated for ambassadors, dignitaries, mm. and Colonel Blanton's family and friends. However, in 1984, Blanton's bourbon was the first ever bottled single barrel bourbon sold commercially. So they made it available to the public in 84. Yep. I would have thought it would have been. Well, it was around a lot longer than that. Just only certain select people were allowed to have it. Yeah. That's pretty And cool. then it was wildly, widely available till like recently. Oh, now yeah. It's oh, like yeah. You got to know a guy and then know a guy that doesn't rip you off. It was widely available until the secondary market was born. Yep. And that ruined it for all of us. Um, I got this particular bottle from Steve at Parkway Liquor nearby. What's up, Steve? I'm going, I'm going to pick up a, a good deal on this. More. And uh, yeah, I was just there the other day getting something else. Um, he gives us a, a text and a call. I was like, hey, I got this in. And sells it at the right price, which makes sense. So I buy my everyday stuff from there, too. Yeah, I just actually, uh, I picked up a bottle of uh, Fable and Folly, the uh, orphan barrel I got from Steve. Uh, that shelf looks like it's ready to go. <laughs> you just touched it and the whole thing wiggled. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you know what it is? Is that 700 pounds of the whiskey The grain of the wood is like, is rounded. Yeah. So the wood is actually starting to round. That's what it is. It's not, the, the, these are fine. Yeah. But it's starting to get actually, some hardwood. I need to, well, I need to do a different type of, I think I might do a. Uh, Flip the board. Or a pine shelving but uh you know a dovetail or a, a pocket pocket screw it together let's just build a whole freestanding shelf so it sits on the floor that's what i'm thinking of doing and just having it be to the ceiling and i can you know i can partition it however so I want. we let's, can we can load it up anyways let's talk about uh anyways <laughs> let, me go get, let me go get a level <laughs> i'm gonna get my ruler yeah let i'll be right back I'm right some tools. <laughs> <laughs> we like building things yeah this is part of being a man yeah you build things you can't yeah. say man that's toxic 
So this is a straight bourbon. It is. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great because there's not many straight things in this world today. So. <laughs> uh, owned by Sazerac uh -huh. uh, from Buffalo Trace Distillery. It's an ongoing release. Undisclosed mash bill. I'm sure we can figure it out if we do a little research. I, I didn't. Right. Uh, it doesn't have an age statement. Also, we could probably figure out. I didn't. Uh -huh. uh, it's 93% proof. It's valued. Um, if you would have looked like a year or two ago, 40s, maybe 50s, it says the MSRP now is 65. Okay. So it's creeping up. Well, 40, yeah. It's a $40 bottle. It was. True. Well, let's give it a shot. Oh, yeah. That's the Blanton's I remember from Christmas. It's always smooth. The Blanton's is always smooth. Mm, vanilla. Citrus again, like orange zest. Clove. <clears throat> Maybe the Calumet Clove reminds me of the Blanton's. Yeah. Um, Did you just drool? I just gleeked. You just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> wow. Because I was trying to... <laughs> yeah. Because so, it's, it's it's very clovey, yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's very very clovey. I don't get cloves. Maybe it's that. I would say it's similar to like the molasses. It's like something dark and spicy in there. Yeah, it does have something, but not too spicy. Not little, like a rye would be. Little like sugar or corn, kind of in there somewhere. Okay, but the aftertaste is very molasses, maybe nutmeg or something i like it and you yeah. know that that calumet reminds me of the blanton's as well well they're all they're well blanton's is a weeded bourbon right <clears throat> pardon me so are the other ones or no they're not a weed they're not weeded i mean there's multiple yeah they're malted barley they're malted not weeded right. i'm sorry yeah my, my bad my bad my bad so yeah i like it i like that well i always like blanton's i mean well i like blanton's when i had it last i like it again i don't think you can go wrong with any of these whiskeys no Good stuff. The, this would make a really great cocktail. Oh, yeah. Either some, this or Pappy. With some Diet make, Pepsi? Yeah. Yeah. Really, oh, especially Diet. <laughs> if you could get zero Coke. <laughs> yeah. If you could mix that with some Zima. Oh, <clears throat> man. Woo. Be like a bartender's some dream. Boone, some Boone's Farm. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what would be good with this Calumet Farm? Boone's. Pour it right in a bottle. Yeah. Just drink it like Ripple. Yeah. Drink it, throw it right up when you're done. <laughs> And then drink it back up. Yeah, that was the best $140 I ever spent. <laughs> it was good stuff. Yeah. So tell me, we were here so to talk about the Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby was first held in 1875 at Churchill, Churchill Downs Racetrack mm -hmm. okay. in Louisville. It's the longest running sports event in the United States. It is. That I did not know what until is? just now. The Kentucky Derby. Charge! I did all queued up. <laughs> Into they rode the 300. Go on. My bad. Um, dubbed the Run of the Roses, the Derby features three-year-old thoroughbred racing at a distance of 1.25 miles. It's one and a quarter. It used to be they, a minute, mile and a half, right? Yeah. Okay. Today, some 150,000 spectators gather annually on the first Saturday in May at Churchill Downs for Kentucky Derby sometimes referred to as the greatest two minutes in sports. It is an exciting race. When you look at what built up to that, and you look at the horses in that, and how they all had to score so many points and all the different races they ran, 
the best of the best are are there. I mean, it's like yeah, they have the to, champions. They have to racing. place, win, win place show, mm-hmm. and like four races or something leading they pick like the top three or four yeah and they're like they're yeah. like the best of the best now you have all these horses that they're all pretty much were favorites at one point or another in races they ran yep now they're all running against each other and the favorite of favorites and whatever, whatever and there's tons of races throughout and the there's country. tons of money in yeah. the kentucky derby so besides placing bets on the horses derby fans are famous for drinking mint juleps singing an old kentucky home and wearing flamboyant hats which is what I'm wearing right now. You are wearing a flamboyant Because it's hat. amazing. Got my fedora on. Talk about my old Kentucky home. <laughs> oh, this is the song? It's very, like, gone with the wind, sappy. Ooh, like, Kentucky? 1900. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Frankie, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yeah, that's kind of, it's like yeah. gone with the windish, yeah. but it's Kentucky. It's the South. Yeah. And when you well, see it sounds when, a lot different. Kentucky sounds a lot different nowadays. Yeah, I know, right? Hey, yo, boy! And when you go, when you go to the, uh, I said, hey, yo, boy! <laughs> when you go to the Kentucky Derby, at the end, after all is done, and the the band they have a choir there that sings my old and all the people. I think like, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, you're like bawling. It's, it's like, like the national anthem. You got to sing to it. Yeah, it's yeah. like their national anthem down there. Kentucky. And the rock is red, black. <laughs> My Kentucky and homes the there. Rockets, yeah. Red Blair. <laughs> I have Blantons over there. My old Kentucky home where I once raped a bear. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so so the Kentucky Derby was started by Meriwether Lewis Clark Jr., grandson Ooh. of the explorer William Clark of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Did Sacagawea was the first jockey? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that, but. Not far off. <laughs> Clark, who was inspired by horse races he'd seen in Europe, raised the money to build Churchill Downs on the land no- donated by his uncles. What's so big about Churchill Downs? Oh, I don't know. It's where they host the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> that's something I'm supposed that's, to know about that. That's, the, that's where the horses run for the Kentucky Derby. So this uh, Clark person... As I stated, uh, they mm-hmm. went to Europe, and they visited uh, leading horse racing sites in England and France, and so he was inspired by this idea. And so when he came home, he started this, like, um, what did it say? Like, they started this uh, club, what is it, Louisville Jockey Club, <clears throat> to raise money and construct a racetrack on this donated land. And bang hose. Yep. <laughs> that too. Yeah, that's, that's how they raise the money. Says it right there in Bangkok. <laughs> Why do you think they raise the yep. money? <laughs> yep. And they started as a one point five mile race for three year old horses. I don't know what the thing is about three year old horses or two year old horses. I think like it has that. to do with the horses when they're in their prime. I think it's at the height that be the three year old horse. I think might be the same as like a like twenty like year old like, athlete, or like an eighteen year old athlete. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like like an Olympic athlete. At the three-year-old mark, a horse is going to be as good as the horse is going to be. You know, if it's a winner, it's going it's going to be a winner. If it's not, at five years, it's not going to come out ahead of the pack and beat everybody else. It's kind of on its downward spiral. Okay, look at how look at the beating these horses take, well, and their, their joints and everything else. We'll, we'll get in, we'll get into that. In a I can't yeah, see them gonna, lasting talk past that. four years. I mean, they're just it's like it's like a boxer. You know, how well, long can you do it before I, you're like you know, dun, dun, you know. It's, it's, they're punched them, you know. I was reading some statistics, but I'm losing I'm losing the number. But there's a significant amount of 
I mean, you know, I guess we can talk about it now. The whole idea with horse racing, a lot of people don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, people want it banned. People won't go and they won't support it because they see it's like animal cruelty. Uh, I don't know. I mean, with all the new regulations and rules now that are being put in, I mean, it used to, they would pump horses full of Lasix. Yep. So and just other horses, drugs. Because the horses would run and keep running until they ended up in congestive but heart failure and they would drown in their own fluid. But they're also tested for like enhancement yep. drugs like steroids and things like that so, so they're stuff they used to do they're yeah. they, they're not doing as much like, it's not as rampant as it was but i mean they're also yeah. horses so yeah. and I'm, I'm not saying anything less about horses but mm-hmm. horses want to run horses want to do shit yeah, it's what they do they love to run you know it's like having a dog and putting them inside all day or like a cat and you're not letting the cat go out and it's like it's like the lion oh, what's it called uh tiger king Mm-hmm. You have these tigers, and you put them in cages, and you feed them dead food. Tigers just want to kill shit. Yeah. T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. He wants to hunt. Yeah. Horses. It went all the way back to Jurassic Park. It's the same thing. Yeah. Horses want to run. Horses love to they're run. They're wild animals that want to run, so they're, they're bred to be big and strong and fast. Yeah. And that's what they do is they run. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, but, yeah, some of them die. <laughs> After they run. So I guess that's part were... of the thing is like they break a leg or you know tear a ligament or something and they they euthanize them. They shoot them right there on the track. Sometimes they euthanize them right on the track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would be and that you guy. hear it. I would like, be I mean, that guy. I'd be yeah. like, I'll do it. I'll do it. This won't kill something. I want to cry a little when I kill it though. <laughs> Can I ride it around? Can you make the horse cry while I do it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just brought me back. What's that? When you uh, <laughs> killed like a fly or something. I, like, I, don't, I don't feel better. I want something to cry when I kill it. <laughs> a horse will cry. Really? He's like, no. No. Is that more like a sheep? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a sheep. A horse is like, oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that's about it. So boom. On May seventeenth, eighteen seventy-five, some ten thousand people. Attended the first Kentucky Derby. 10,000. Now there's like 150,000 yeah. Kentucky Derby. Well, it was a big deal. I mean, it was 1875. Yeah, and they did it like in the back they of like old, man, old Man Johnson's farm. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they actually, it says right here, they did it in Churchill. It just wasn't farm. as popular. <laughs> yeah. It was donated of, by his uncles. I already talked about that. A lot of activists were against it, so not a lot of people came. Oh, okay. They blocked the entrance. So the first Kentucky Derby Picket featured signs. a Collins. field, <laughs> a field <Guns>. of... <laughs> Go on. Goat's blood. <laughs> We're not going to get through this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. The first Kentucky Derby, which featured a field of 15 three-year-old horses, okay. raced 1.5 miles. The winning horse, Aristides, finished with a time of 2 minutes and 37 seconds and was ridden by Oliver Lewis, an African-American jockey. Really? Yeah. So 13 of the 15 jockeys in the inaugural derby were black, and black riders played a dominant role in the racing's early years. 
between 1875 and 1902, 11 black jockeys rode 15 of the, uh, yeah, 15 of the winning horses. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I know they kind of fla- they flazed. <laughs> black jockeys were phased out over time. But they went all the way back to like the Wild West. You know, I mean, the, the you know, you were uh, a lot well, of a lot of black cowboys and black horsemen. I mean, as we as we get further into history, and then look at Blazing Saddles. Yeah. I mean, I mean it was you know. it was a thing. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Which makes me think of I that. I love uh, him. That was one of the best movies. I love that guy. What was that that statue? <clears throat> like the the black jockey. Isn't there like a little statue because it's got like the the, the oh red with the statue shirt. jockey with the holding the lamp that people yeah. have in front of their houses? Yeah, some and of them like, are is black, others is white. It all yeah, depends. but yeah. that was depicting the the. Typical jockey of the time, which was a black jockey. I don't, I don't know if it was like a slave or like race type thing. If it was just like, hey, get on the horse type, or or it was just like a a, a good thing, like a like a prize thing to like you wanted this know, job because we. I don't know the history behind it. Well, we've evolved a lot. Where, <clears throat> pardon me, not evolved, but as time's gone on, uh, public opinion has changed as far as what in what implies what. So, okay. like, I've seen a lot of houses with the jockey with the lamp. Yeah, and some of them it's, it has black face, some of it has white face, but the same thing. It's a jockey, and it's one of those things. Is that just, like offensive? And I guess that's what I'm pointing. <clears throat> unfortunately, to point today, at. there's a lot of things that are offensive that I don't take offense to. I never did. I never saw them that way. But all you need is a group to voice that it okay. means this, and suddenly everyone's against it. And I don't think a lot of half the things mean what people well, say they do. So my thought was, and I didn't see anything about it, was like. Did you want to be a jockey? Were they paid well? Were they treated well? Like, was that a good profession for someone to be? Because, like, all the stories I read, you know, just about, like, the, these winning horses, it was like, you're you're a famous person. Yeah. Like, but this, I'd have they were to, well, I don't I, know. I don't know. I would probably guess that given the climate at the time with race, same thing with Irish, same thing with a lot of Irishmen, <coughs> Irish families being in the fire department and police department and civil service. Okay. They're going to get killed anyway. Let them do the job. And uh, I think so maybe that it was like a dangerous been, job. It's and a like dangerous let, job. Let them entertain us type you're, of thing. Yeah, you're riding horses okay. that are racing each other. Okay. Something happens. You're done. So I'm wondering if how much of it started that That's way. Interesting. And then as it became more of a lucrative thing, yeah. you see the black jockeys being phased out, more white jockeys and Hispanic. Now Hispanic, every, every jockey's, you know, Ramirez or Hernandez or whatever. Yeah. It's a big thing with a lot of uh, Hispanic jockeys. You don't see a lot of white jockeys anymore. You did for a while after the black jockeys phase out. Then you started seeing a lot of Hispanic jockeys. Now. Oh, see, I was thinking like as it evolved, and the 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 um, society evolved and, mm-hmm. and the sport evolved. There was like, hey, we don't you know, we don't want you doing that because it's a good thing. Being I a don't jockey. know. So I don't know. I don't know. You don't know, but that that might be a good thing to like research. Like, why? How did the black jockey phase out of the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, because I I'm I'm just looking through like different. I'm pulling up a website. Um, it says, however, by the early 20th century, prejudice and jealousy of these jockeys' success resulted in an African-American riders largely disappearing from horse racing. There you go. I didn't even so read that's, that. That's, that's interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So basically. Know, so Jimmy Winkfield, the last black jockey to win the Derby in 1901. <laughs> Dave's winking at me. And 1902. Uh-huh. So he's saying he was the last one. So there, since it's been over 120 years and yeah there come on really yeah it's been 120 years and there hasn't been another black no jock i'm trying to think that they're called jockeys yeah 
He's going to say a rider. I haven't seen. I haven't seen any black. I wow, mean, that's a well. That's incredible. <clears throat> of the jockeys I've seen on TV from winning horses that are televised, they're either like I said, Hispanic or white. But they're all very small. Oh yeah, they are. They have to be. That's how the horses are fast. You can't have a heavy jockey. Now the jockeys that do the harness track, the trotters. Okay. Some of those guys are fatter and fatter than shit. Why is that, Matt? Because you're the horse is pulling a surrey. And Excuse me. A, so, what? Sorry. <laughs> Like a chariot? Metaphor and offense? Yeah, the Surrey, the little thing with the... And I, because it's on wheels, I think the horse can pull a lot more weight. And the horses aren't allowed to break and run. They have to trot. Okay. So the, the jockey can weigh a little bit more, and the horse isn't pulling as much. But you see some of these jockeys, like in Saratoga, near us. Yep. Some of these jockeys look like they weigh 250 pounds. They look like they do nothing but, like, eat pork and drink beer oh, Okay. But, but you see the... The ones not on, not the chariot one. What is that even called? The tr- the, the the trotters or the harness racing? Yeah, yeah. harness racing. Yeah, I uh, see the regular like thoroughbred racing. Oh no, they're the jockeys just, they're are little, they're like little pounds, people. ninety pounds. They're like yeah. four foot nine. Yeah, they're tiny. Yeah, <laughs> they toss them. <laughs> so in nineteen oh two, a new management took over the Churchill Downs to include Martin Matt Wynn, a Louisville native, a larger than life promoter who was instrumental in transforming the Derby from a local venue into America's most iconic horse race. Hmm. So in 1908, uh, of course, he took on the title Colonel. They all do. It's so... It's so hey, it's so, Colonel. Can we be Colonels? Why not? <laughs> Colonel Dave? I'll make you Colonel Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, you have to be from Kentucky to be Colonel. So, like I, I just need to... You know what? We need to crack open a E.H. Taylor. We need to do like a Colonel one. Yeah. We need to... Do a deep dive and figure Colonels. out, figure this Colonel thing out once and for all. So apparently he replaced human bookmakers he's, he's with some Steve. like machine. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Would you fillet me? But you have to call me Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just sounds just. I want you to call me Colonel. All right, Colonel. Colonel. Call me Admiral. Call me Rear Admiral. Rear Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking the same thing. So, so nineteen oh eight, Colonel Wynn, uh, he made like he, he replaced the the bookmakers, like that was the human making these the things. bookies. I, the machines in nineteen oh eight, what the heck was that? That doesn't even make any sense. Um <clears throat> I think they were You French. go to the track now and you you talk to a human. I mean, other than if you're betting at home or whatever. I don't know if the machines calculated odds on the horses, uh, and then when okay. you placed your bet, it knew what odds. Okay. Were. I'm not, right. And then and then told you what payout. You, I'm not sure how that worked. I, I I didn't even know, like I never knew how they switched to. You know. So did the, was this the same win, the Vegas win? Guy that built Vegas was win. Really? Yeah. The guy that made the grips on my golf clubs was win. Hmm. Maybe it's the same family. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so win also started uh, publicly generating practice of. Inviting celebrities to the Derby and advocated broadcasting the race on radio, something other race executives thought would hurt attendance numbers. Okay. So they figured, hey, if we put it on the radio, no one's going to show up. Mm-hmm. So in 1925, the Derby aired on network radio for the first time, and afterward, attendance continued to grow. 1949 marked the first year the Derby was locally televised. Three years later, 1952, the Kentucky Derby made its debut on national TV. Ooh, I got that. To grow. And then away with a mile and a quarter to go. 
It's Hannibal, number 10, making the early running with the favorite Hill Gale, Conqueror, Windy City in second place. I love the names. But at the finishing straight, it's a different tale <laughs> as Hill Gale leads the field by six lengths. Huh? Here's what I want to say. What? And now watch in slow motion the action of the bluegrass. Why? Slow motion. Do they all talk like that back then? Was that normal I speech know. pattern? All the newscasters did that. Oh, the Hindenburg is crying. Oh, the humanity. Why did they talk? Th Maybe they talked like that normally. Do you think it was because of where they were from? Like I'm wondering if it had to do with like no, didn't weren't a lot of the newscasters from like the Midwest or something, so they all mm. had like that type of yeah. I because know. I you uh, that's what you heard all the time. My on the news, theory that's all you heard. is that was just normal speech pattern. Like that's how they were expected to sound. No, that's just how they talk normally, like at the table. Yeah, maybe because dinner. where they. Hello, were Dave. How was your dinner? <laughs> do you like your pork chops? <laughs> well, not even that. It was just like very like everything was always. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, we're going head to head. <laughs> right, and I mean head. It's like a one bite, a two bite. Hi, head honey. to head. How was your day? It was wonderful. <laughs> I expect you to be naked in five minutes. I'm going to take you into the bed. And I'm going to put my fist in your ass, and I'm going to take you from behind. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, I can't get out of news mode. I mean, it's like it's real, I, I don't. I, that's how they talk normally. Uh, yeah, I don't that's get it. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, me too. So in 1973, Secretariat 73 became the fastest Derby winner in history with a time of. One minute, fifty nine seconds. A record that still stands. Was it a mile and a half then, or did they did they reduce it? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know where the statistic is, but at some point they they reduced. I think it was still. No, it was nineteen seventy three. It was it was mile and a quarter. Have you ever seen the movie Secretariat? No, I have not. Here it is. Eighteen ninety six. Following complaints by some members of the racing community that the distance was too long, the event was reduced. To, to 1.25. Let me ask you this. Okay. Why did the members of the racing community complain? Was it the jockeys that said it's too long of a race? Were the people watching? Did people feel bad for the horse? Did Maybe. the horses complain? Were they like, too long? Maybe they just, too long. Maybe they just didn't sprint. I mean, it, I mean at that quarter, distance, mile. I don't maybe Like Saratoga is a half lost mile track, right? Is it? Saratoga is a half mile oh, track. Oh, I didn't know that. No, was it a mile and a half track? Mile and a quarter? Mile yeah. and a quarter. They're all a mile and a quarter. That's Because that's they the say standard. with Saratoga, what, the fastest half mile or something like that? It's it's some of the horses that run the half, have run the fastest times at Saratoga. But I think it might, maybe it's a mile and a quarter. I don't know how it's big the track quarter. is. Because, it's got to no, be. No, it's not. Because, like, the horses will go around twice, like at the harness races. Do they? Yeah. And it, maybe it's a two and a half mile. I don't know. We have to, we should look it up at some point. I think, it just, I think it changes from, like, a sprint to, like, a run. So once you have a certain, like in running, like humans running, you know, right. you're like a hundred meter. The Ooh, dash. It's a mile and an eighth, Saratoga. It's a mile and an eighth. Okay. So, so twice around is is uh, two and a quarter miles. You're not doing two and a quarter. The harness race. The harness. Oh, the track harness. There. Yeah. No, no, saying, no once around. I'm not talking for, about harness race. The flat that's, track that's, is a mile and an eighth. So yeah. just under a mile and a quarter. So about like the Kentucky Derby. Why is it not a mile and a quarter then? Why is it different? You know what? It might be a mile and a quarter because when you go to the horse races, straight... they start at the end of the at the yep. straight, the beginning of the straightaway, and then they come around and then come back to the finish line. It might yep. be a mile and a quarter. Yeah, they probably do a mile. So it's a mile and eighth, but they they stagger. They it do off. another yep, eighth offset. to yep. the to the finish. See, we answered our own question. Yeah, we, we worked. Are, you know what? We worked through the problem. We are so smart. Yeah, I'm so smart. Um, so smart. So in 1970, Diane Crump, bad name. Became the first female jockey. Hey, 
Crump Jackie. Crump. She was so she was the first female jockey to ride in the Derby. She finished fifteenth. And took all the naughty kids at Christmas. Yep. <laughs> Crump also broke ground in 1969 when she became the first woman to ride in the Perry Mutual race in North America. I don't know oh. what that is. The Perry Games? Did she, like, hurt herself? Like and... the Paralympic Games? She couldn't like a... feel her feet? <laughs> no, just, like, just tired of the horse. Like, be fine. Like, per- Perry care? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about a Jaina. <laughs> she was the first woman to ride in the perineal racing. <laughs> if you don't know what perineal means, don't look it up out on the Google. <laughs> so she was a female racer, so they changed the whole name of the race because of that. Oh, I can't call it racing. It's peri racing because you're a woman. What they used to call it? Like, the, like, <laughs> like, what is this? like the Kentucky dude race, and now it became the Kentucky Derby when she got in it? Oh, man. Bitch. Oh, sorry. I went south. <clears throat> um, in eight, in no, not in nineteen eighty-six. Go ahead. Fifty-four-year-old Bill Shoemaker broke ground in a different way by becoming the oldest jockey to win the Derby. Could you imagine riding a horse in a race like that at fifty-four years old? You'd break a hip. That's like three years older than me. I couldn't imagine me being on the back of a horse riding a mile and a quarter yeah, doing race a jog against a trot, a, not a trot, a run. I mean, Jesus, I couldn't imagine. Doing I mean, they're that. going forty something miles an hour. I jump off the horse. I'd be like, I'm done. Forget it. I'm just gonna, I'm going to die. You jump <laughs> off the horse, you'll die. That's what I mean. I'd be like, take me now, Lord. Good. So only a few fillies, which is a female horse, have won the Derby. Them's the female ones. The first to do so was named Regret. <laughs> You ain't going to regret it, are you? <laughs> like, come on, really? Yeah. I'm going to regret this in the morning. Let's go, regret. <laughs> I'm going to put my mortgage on and regret. You know, some... some <laughs> I'm going to put my paycheck on some regret Some chauvinist <laughs> a-hole was yelling, no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> oh, my God. Hence the tattoo. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, God. Oh, we're getting to the end of this. Do you want to talk about the Triple Crown? Uh, triple Crown, three races. If you win the three races, you get the Triple Crown. Not every horse wins a Triple Crown every year, blah, blah, blah. I See, I didn't really I didn't really understand that. So you had to win yeah. the Kentucky Derby. Preakness. The Preakness and, and the, the Belmont. And the Belmont. And if a horse wins all three races, that horse wins a Triple Crown. Yep. But if a one horse does not win all three, there is no Triple Crown winner that year. So it's just. So it's a very, it's like tennis. It's like the, the Grand Slam. Not everybody wins a Grand Slam yeah, every year. That's so interesting. Yeah. And then they do like the... So it's a very coveted, like, hey, this horse is a triple crown And they winner. do the rose like, thing oh, over shit, the top the big of rose. Yeah. Uh, and because if a horse is a triple crown winner, it's won the, the coup de grace of the horse races. Huh. All of them. Okay. So that's so why Sir it's cool. Barton in 1919 was the first one to, won, to win the triple crown. Although it wasn't until the 1930s that these like three races together were known as the Triple Crown, mm-hmm. but he won all three of them in 19 whatever. Yep. So to qual and you kind of <clears throat> mentioned this before to qualify to ride in the Derby, a horse must compete. A horse because it could be a different jockey must compete in designated prep races at a series of tracks. The top mm-hmm. four finishers in each race receive points, and the 20 horses who accumulate the most points are eligible to enter the derby. So that's, I, I didn't know that either. So multiple races is not like you were just the top finisher at one of these races. It was a point system where you had to, you had to, you had to meet. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, Saratoga, 
is one of the tracks that some, is it? Of, some of these races are run on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not that's, the Preakness our, that's the, our local track. Yeah, not the Preakness or the Belmont or whatever, but the, the uh, some of the races that lead up to getting the points are run at Saratoga. Cool. Some of the traditions, uh, as we mentioned, my old Kentucky home is the song that everyone sings to. The men juliups is what they drink. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir singing it for you now. Oh, okay. All right. That's that's what it is. I, <clears> I, feel, know. I feel a tear coming on. Yeah. Never mind. Kentucky. No, it's, it's good. Just some water. I just spit my own eye. So the horses parade around on the dirt track before the start of the race. The crowd sings along to the to this my old old Kentucky home. And yeah, there you have it. That's pretty much good it. Good to hear it. We so. talked about the roses. That's on there. Blah 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 blah. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of tradition with the Kentucky Derby, mint juleps. Have you, you know. been to the track? Do you go to the track? Churchill Downs? No, like any any like <clears throat> racetrack. I've been to Saratoga. Okay, like I'll go maybe once a year. We, well, when I was younger, I used to go with my family. Okay. Um, and we would go to. Uh, Saratoga, and we go to the harness track. Once a year, my mom and dad, my sister and I would go. We'd all dress up. I'd oh, wear, you get dressed up? <clears throat> like, well, we we dress up. You I wear cool hat, button down shirt, tie, sport coat, pants, shoes, and we would get. Oh, uh, I could I could see your dad. <clears throat> yeah, we'd reserve a table in the clubhouse, and we'd Ooh. have dinner there, and we'd watch the races. And my mom and dad would give me and my sister twenty bucks a piece. Oh, that's cool. And we were like, oh, we're so cool. So and this be- is like. The we, 50s and 60s, so that's, I mean, that's you, a lot Steve. of money back then. Yeah, but then it was a lot, right? Could have bought, bought a car for that. Yeah. So we go to the window, and I'd have to go with 62 my, Chevelle, 20 bucks. I'd have to go with my dad to the window, but I thought I was all cool because he'd be like, go ahead, place your bet. And I'd be like, oh, $2 on takes dicks in the ass to win, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, Red Rocket got him beat. And the guy would laugh, you know, my, he's la- him, my dad. It's funny because now that I have a kid of my own, a son of my own, it's 11, I could see me doing that with him. Let's and the guy him. looking at me and kind of chuckling a little let's bit. Let's bring him this year. We should bring That'd him. That'd be yeah. fun. Let's, let's go we'll to the track suits. this year. We'll, we'll wear like powder blue suits. Well, the, the clubhouse had a dress code. You had to wear a, a, a sport coat and a button-down shirt. Your dad still have access to that? You just make a reservation. You oh, say, hey, okay. I want to. I thought you had it. Because you, you can eat there. Okay. Um, or we would Got go to, there was a restaurant. $20 uh, cheeseburger. Yeah, right. Well, now it is probably. But we would. there was also a restaurant right next to the track that we would go eat. Then we would go and just, the table in the clubhouse was just where we would sit. But the clubhouse, everybody was dressed nice, nice. And you're looking down at the grandstand. Everyone's in shorts and T-shirts. And you're like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> and that's, I want to go that, down there. It's nice and cool. That's the cool sweating. thing about horse racing. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's like an elitist thing, and they really got the the celebrities and the rich really into it. But many of the uh, horse owners made sure that it was open to, like, the common person. So they would always say, like, open the infield. We want more people to see this. Like, this is an event that, like, people need to witness. They made sure of that. Well, so that's kind of cool. Like, you see a mix of everybody. It is, but do you think they did that because they wanted the people, they cared that the people could see this wonderful sport? Did. Or was it because the more people, the more bets, the bigger the purse? Well, that's probably really And good. the more money the owners made. Yeah. I think that's I'm probably sure that's why it. they opened yeah. it up. I mean, money drives almost everything. That well, you, you just broke hunger. my heart. optimism. Book your heart. Yeah. And your penis. Say it again, penis. Go ahead. No, that's that. You just you just ruined you ruined the mood. Sorry. Thought it was got the old Kentucky like bunch of peasants in the infield singing. People in the grandstands in their binoculars, their monoculars, laughing at them. Look at all those peasants eating those hot dogs and they're having steaks. Look at you with your hot dog. I'm eating rack of lamb. I hate lamb. 
I don't care. I love it. It's wonderful. Did you know, like, lobster? Mint julep. Did you know lobster used to be known as, like, the, the, the scumbag of the sea? Yeah. And then I don't like lobster that much. And it's that's, okay. That's what the peasants would eat. That's all they could eat. And then this one day some aristocrat tough. tried it and said, this is fantastic. I'd rather have crab legs all and, day. Well, the thing is, and then all the aristocrats started to eat it, and lobster became a delicacy all yep. of a sudden. And that was really expensive. Nobody could get it. But it started off, like, you know, the peasants eating hot dogs. And yeah. then suddenly the aristocrats eat hot dogs, and the peasants can't get them anymore. They're yep. too expensive. You know? Jerks. It's like, what the Christ? Have you had a, uh, what is it, in, uh, it's like a lobster roll? I have. It, it cost like twenty five bucks. I had it in Boston at Quincy Market. Yeah, Boston, and it was good, but it wasn't worth twenty five bucks. I, sorry. So I'm not really a big lobster fan. I love lobster, but it's like cold. I could eat and lobster. trash. I could eat no. I could eat the lobster roll I had was hot. And I feel like buttery, it was cold. Melted butter. It was. It was, it, melted, it was like warm. Well, it was good, but like it wasn't like. I could buy two lobster tails at Price Chopper for twenty bucks and make a couple huge lobster rolls yeah, with it. I'd rather. You want to do that? We should. Yeah. <laughs> I love lobster. Dude, I could eat lobster. Or crab all day. legs. Crab legs, scallops. lobster, shrimp, scallops, anything. Ugh. I love that shit. Mm. Clams. Oh, God. Clams Casino. <laughs> okay, let's go, let's move on. <sighs> We're talking about racing. We're, We're going an hour, hour and 30 seconds. All right, we let's talk about the big dick here of the week. Should we? Yeah, it's time. All right, fine. My dick like the Mississippi River. My dick ass your bitch was for dinner. Hey. Big dick. The size of a dick <laughs> does matter. Wow. Oh, horse dick. No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you ever been smacked <laughs> a, with a horse dick in the face? No. No, not yet. Uh, I haven't either. I mean, I don't want to be, but I haven't, though. It's probably a good thing I haven't. Whatever. Let's, so who let's... is the big dick hero of the week, David? Uh, I guess Toby Maguire. Yes. Who did he ride? Seabiscuit. Other than or, Miss- no, wait, he wasn't. Wait, he he was C. Toby Maguire was Seabiscuit. Other than other than Mrs. Maguire, <laughs> wasn't Seabiscuit like not an animated movie? Yeah, it was a real movie. Seabiscuit was a horse. Yeah, Toby Maguire wasn't a horse. Oh, <laughs> Toby Maguire. <laughs> Well, now I, I don't even know was, why he was Spider-Man for Christ's sake. Wait a minute, Steve. that makes that makes very confusing. <laughs> so okay. how? How does he come in to see you know, <laughs> How is no Spider-Man no a idea. jockey? Was this before? Hey, maybe this was before he got bit by the spider. He was a jockey. He came, yeah, he was a got jockey. Bit by the spider because he was a redheaded, like peasant boy, that was like boxing in the street. So the story is, Toby. Let's call him. <laughs> let's call him Toby. Because that's his name, Mister Seabiscuit. He was born in a rich family, right before. The Great Depression. Notice I have the Seabiscuit theme playing right now. Is, it, is yeah. that what this is? From the movie. Okay. It's, it's the score. So family lost everything in the Depression. Mm-hmm. Because they were depressed. They were very depressed. <laughs> the, the stock market crashed, by the way. And That's depression. Because they, they were wealthy, so they probably had everything in stocks. And so oh, they yeah. lost it all. Um, so at that time, when you had a bunch of kids and you're you're broke... Uh, and he was a good horseback rider. He essentially pawned him off to a local ranch that he'd go live and work at. And huh. so they're kind of like, you know, hey, that's one kid we don't yeah, have to one, feed. One less kid mouth uh, we have so to feed, right? So he pretty much grew up on a ranch from then. And then it kind of, the story fast forwards of him, you know, as a young, early jockey, not doing very well, not trying to make ends meet, you know, trying to, you know, mm-hmm. have a place to stay and eat. And he like boxed on the side, got to, got his ass beat a lot. 
and uh, which subsequently had a lot, lot of injuries. Oh, and shit. let's see. So as far as the horse, so that's that's the jockey. So that was Red Pollard. Okay, he rode Sea Biscuit. Yeah, I think it's, he had a different re, like real first name. Okay, uh, but Red Hair. So they just started calling him Red. Right. Um, so Sea Biscuit uh, was actually a son or grandson of like a like famous horse of like Man of War, which was like oh Man of War was one was of like the, the most, number one. I think oh he was God. like the grandson <clears throat> of Man of War. One of the most winningest horses in history. Yep. But he was a small horse. So they say it was 15.2 hands high. We're putting yeah, we're the hands in. So apparently, that ain't very high. <laughs> the beginning of his racing career was awful. So he only. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Biscuit. It's okay. <laughs> he was also pissed. Known, He's pissed or talking Also about known him. as Limp Biscuit. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> like having a conversation with a horse. <laughs> oh, Go on. Uh, so, uh, the beginning of his racing career. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. What happened to the You're pissing off the horse, Steve. <laughs> no, I'm trying to tell his story. Go on, go on tell trying him. to do it justice, and he's ruining it. Biscuit, take, take it easy. Okay, go ahead. Can you go back to the music? <laughs> sure. All right. <laughs> so, he... <laughs> <laughs> Horse yelling at me. I love my soundboard. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> He's lost it. We're done. It's like I kept trying to talk. And just, he just kept, you kept messing around. Like, easy, Biscuit. So, see, Biscuit, go ahead. So, the beginning of his career, he lost a lot of races. Apparently, to his owner and the trainer, he was pretty much known as a lazy horse. Like, all Seabiscuit wanted to do was either eat, which they said he could eat like twice as much as the other horses. Really? Or sleep like literally all day. And when they tried to actually get him up and train him and run him and stuff, kind of like the sounds that you're hearing, he got like aggressive. Really? And like pretty much fought them every time they tried to train him. He would run, he would do, he would run the races, but generally he would finish like 15th out of 17. Yeah, because he he didn't didn't train like you should. He didn't train. Um, so they just didn't think he was doing good. And, and also, he just wasn't, you know, he was a small horse and he wasn't built well. He said his knees were in, like, the wrong, like, mm-hmm. angle and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so he just, you know, he kind of had it in his eye, but they, they just couldn't figure out how to get it out of him. The mind so, was willing. The body was not yet. So they sold him. Um, and the, the interesting story is the guy that bought him was an, an automobile entrepreneur, Charles Howard. Oh, from, from Saratoga. Yep. Yeah. He bought him. Because he just probably wanted to spend his money on something. He was like, oh, I'm going to buy a racehorse. That's pretty cool. And he got a new trainer, Tom Smith, which was well known for being like unorthodox and kind of like a goofball. Like, you know, the horse that everybody wanted to put down that wasn't doing anything. He just wanted to keep him as a pet and, you know, rehabilitate him and sleep with him and do weird stuff. So he's probably that guy. Donkey shows. Yeah, Yeah, probably. (laughs) A lot of the story is about Tijuana, too. Because during that time, the Great Depression, uh, and then subsequently after that was uh, the Prohibition. Mm-hmm. So booze was illegal. Gambling was illegal. So a lot of the racing kind of shifted to Mexico. So a lot of that stuff was in Tijuana and such. So okay. a lot of people went there. and Yeah. So somehow they paired, paired up with this red 
guy who was also a large jockey. He was uh, five foot seven, and he was over one hundred fifteen pounds usually. So he had twenty pounds heavier than most jockeys. Yes. So huge. I mean, huge when you're talking about doing a sprint on a horse. Uh, So somehow the between the trainer and the jockey, they were able to like capture um, Seabiscuit and really get his attention and get him to run that nobody else could. That's how they did it. (laughs) Seabiscuit was also known for being abused. There you go. So Red found out, like, hey, you don't actually have to whip him during the race. He still whipped him. Which they did. Still whipped him. And knock it off. Okay, sorry. (laughs) My bad. Go on. Yeah, so he he, he pretty much learned that he could get Seabiscuit to run and to run faster by doing things different. That piss off Seabiscuit? No, he just worked with him, and Seabiscuit wanted to run. Okay. And he also... Ran better when he wasn't leading the pack. He liked to kind of start late, and then he would look at the other horses and kind of. I, I think it helped it motivate him to run fast. About a horse ass. It's like being in yoga class. All those asses in front of you just oh. want to plow right up yep. through them to the front of the room. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Secretary did the same thing. Yeah. Kentucky Derby was in last place and came up to the thing and ended up winning the Derby. But, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's fun being the one catching up. Yeah. Like when you're in the front, it's like, oh, crap. You got nothing. You, you don't have to hold off everybody the whole race. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Sea Biscuit. Biscuits of Seas. I like that story. Anyway, I saw a part of the Secretariat movie. And the, oh, Were you done with Sea Biscuit? Continue um, if you I think want. the other note was uh, interesting to it. On top of all that, both the jockey and the horse, Seabiscuit, got injured numerous times. I wouldn't doubt it. And, you know, they almost euthanized Seabiscuit multiple times and probably the jockey. I think he, he was riding another horse and he fell off and he got dragged and, like, ran into a building and shattered his leg and he wasn't supposed to walk <laughs> again. But he designed his own crutch that he could ride the horse still. No shit. Yeah, so just kept getting back that's up on that saddle. Man, keep getting back in the saddle. Yep, that's your... Uh, Crack up your motorcycle, get back in the saddle. <laughs> Don't do it, Dave. Don't get on the motorcycle. Dude, I, I owned my motorcycle for literally four days. Really? Yeah. Wow. Before I married my wife. 1997. I bought a motorcycle Ooh. from a good friend of mine for 500 bucks. It was a Yamaha Maxim 500. Maxim. And I was riding it. And I didn't know how to ride it, but I was learning as I went, and I high-sided. I went around a curve, and the bike went upright, and I was like, eh, what do I do? And I went off the road. I hit a tree, snapped my leg in two places. Ouch. Yeah, rolled roll down the hill into the ditch. My foot was flopping around. It was it was, it was was bad. Anyway, so long story short, paid 500 bucks for the motorcycle. I got $3,000 in titanium in my leg now. So if you think about it, I got a 600% return on my investment. You did? <laughs> so I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little pain and agony. <clears throat> yeah, on that note, should we uh, uh, take it home? I think it's time to wrap it up. I think it is, too. Well, come see us on the interwebs, uh, the face page. TikToks. The, the uh, Instagrams. Yep. Twitter. Wherever the hell else are you going to see us? Nowhere. You're not going to email us. I'm not even going to give you the email address because screw you guys. I don't even know what it is. But it's uh, whiskeyguyslive at gmail.com. Sure. Whatever gives a shit yeah anyway. who cares so uh, about it. i hope you enjoyed the kentucky derby thing as we did we're gonna uh, finish these and we're gonna drink some mint and juleps smoke oh. some stogies <clears throat> mint juleps. some I'm nachos a, maybe. i might have more of that woodford reserve it's delicious it's yeah. my topic i think so too right i like the woodford reserve uh, you know what i think i like the blanton's the calumet the woodford reserve the woodford reserve was a little too spicy for me 
as you far just as said you're going to have more wood for reserve. I'm going because I don't want to waste the other ones because they're really good. Okay, whatever. Okay, whatever. So you know what? We'll see you guys the next time. I don't know what the hell we're talking about. We'll figure it out. So uh, love you, mean it, bye. Peace, love, and anal grace, bitches. Oh.